It is exciting to be a green tree. It's so great to see so many friends, and it's not a funeral. It's so good to see you guys here. <laughs> Seriously, this church, I, I'm, I said it in the last service, and I will say it again. I am so impressed by the outreach that you guys have, particularly to this community. Uh, that song, that last song really was, as John pointed out, very appropriate, that you have made an impact in Kirkwood and around the world. And I thank you for that personally, because it's all a part of what God is doing uh, in this city and in this nation and around the world. So uh, you don't have to say you're welcome, but thank you for doing that very much. So. I'm, also, I told him, I'm also from the South. I'm from Southern California. We say, hey, dude, that was cool, man. Thanks so much. <laughs> But thank you to, uh, to Eric and to Nancy and to uh, Tom and all the leadership here for allowing me to come. It's a risk, as some of you know, to let Randy Mayfield be up front for a half hour. <laughs> Got some great friends. Where's my, where's my kids from Brazil? Where are you? Oh, there you are. The, 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 the Perez family from Brazil is here. They follow me all over the world. It's great to see you guys. Are the kids in Sunday school? They didn't want to hear Uncle Randy. F fantastic. Tom, thanks so much. Good to have you guys here. My bride would be here. But uh, God called her to the beach house in California, so I want to thank her for her sacrifice. <laughs> Some of you know my bride. I call her my girlfriend because she is. She's fantastic. But she needs her time away from me. I think we all can agree to this. <laughs> I'm heading out. Of the, I just got back midnight last night from Dallas. I did a wedding, and I'm going to Honduras next weekend. So when I'm running around, she settles out of the beach and chills, which is great. Well, I have known many of you at Green Tree. We have been on mission trips together around the world. Um, so it's like a coming home party, as I said. Uh, before I begin, though, I want to tell you about an exciting... Yeah, these are some of the trips we were on. I told Tom Werner last... He had, I think he has more hair now. He's in the back picture at the top. Some of the others, Mickey, other, yeah, Jim. Great times all around the world together. So thank you for joining me in mission. But I was, I was telling the last group, you know, we've, we, we hear a lot about fake news, CNN, Fox News... Christians have fake news. Well, of course, that's not new, I guess, but we know that. But there's a news site, and some of you know, you, the, the Babylon Bee. How many of you read the Babylon Bee? Really? The last service was much more bee-friendly. Yeah, there's a few. The Babylon Bee, you need to go to babylonbee.com. Don't do it now, but when you get home. I'm not going to read the articles to you, but they are hilarious because they are based on a little bit of truth. And as I travel the world and hear what people say about America and the things they see, it's, it's sometimes scary. They don't get the full picture. But here's, I'm just going to read you a couple headlines, and then you can go read the articles, because they are amazing. Uh, the first one has to do with my church. Central Church announces an introvert's conference where everyone just stays home. <laughs> That's perfect. My wife said, I would go to that conference. Longtime church member self-identifies as a visitor, so you can get a good parking spot. Now, that's good. <laughs> you know, you can be whatever you want to be. I'm a visitor. Mega church leaves sanctuary door open following worship. The city is flooded with fog. Oh, you don't know. I've sung at a mega church, and between the lights and the fog, it's like, you don't even have to show up. They can't see you. It's, it's Man tased while trying to shake hands of mega church pastor. That happens too. You've got to stay away from those guys. They're important. Uh, and finally, just one more. This is one of my favorites. College student tithes ramen. <laughs> Some of you get that. If you haven't been in college in a while, anyway. Well, as I said, I love missions. I've been engaged in mission work for 45 years. And uh, for the last 38 years, it's been my job. I'm actually paid to do it now. I'm not just good for nothing. I'm paid to do it. And uh, I, I, through that time, even as a young kid, when I started out on the road about 15 years old, I uh, really developed a heart for the nations. God gives you a vision to see the world and people, and you develop a heart for the nations. And that's kind of my theme today about 
We need to really see what God is doing and develop a heart for the nations. So today we're going to build our foundation on the Word of God, spirit and truth, the truth of God's Word. But I'm going to share some stories with you because that's kind of who I am. I meet people and see things and we have stories. I won't even talk about Brazil. We sang at 10 o'clock at night on the balcony to the apartment complex and people applauded. That wouldn't happen in America. You'd be shot out here, but that's what they do out there. But uh, so my goal is really just to give you a glimpse of what God is kind of doing around the world because of your faithfulness, because of your prayers. And really prayer and missions is just one deal. I mean, it really is. So I want to share uh, an Old Testament passage from Psalm 67, probably familiar, especially if you're a John Piper fan. But John 67 says this, may God be gracious to us, bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. It's all about taking his name to the nations. You know what missions is? It's taking worship where worship isn't. That's what John Piper says. It's taking worship where worship is. And that makes a lot of sense. Missions is going to end one day. Did you know that? But worship will never end. If you read Revelation, we're going to stand before the throne saying, holy, holy is the lamb. It's going to be awesome. But we won't have to be missional anymore. Do you know Jesus? Yeah, I just talked to him a minute ago. Yes, it'd be great. So David says in the psalm, to make his name known, to make God known to all the nations. That's the purpose of mission, to make his name known to the peoples of the earth. But it's not always easy to praise him, especially if you don't live in America. It's still pretty easy here, but it's getting harder, as you've seen. It's getting harder. I can, there was a day when I could go into Russia and, and preach the gospel in the schools. That day has ended. I'm supposed to go to Iraq again in two weeks. They closed the airport. They closed the banks. They, they're having civil war. So we're going to go into Jordan and work with refugees there. It's getting hard around the world, and it's going to get hard here. So you've got to make sure you're serious about it. Coming to know Jesus and taking his gospel doesn't mean you're going to have all the fun perks of the world. It means you're going to be persecuted. It's going to be tough. The rest of the world has seen this. America is going to start seeing it more and more. So be ready. If, uh, if you became a Christian thinking it's all going to be fun and games, it is. It's fun and games. You, you worship, you have fun, but it's also uh, being willing to carry that cross, being willing to follow Jesus where he went. I've experienced some of that. For example, what would you do if you're with a team in the Philippines and rebel soldiers are shooting and throwing firebombs all over the road, and it's the road you're taking your team to the airport on. What do you do? What do you do if you're in Mosul, Iraq, and you're driving down the road, and there's potholes everywhere from bombs that have gone off, and, and uh, what do they call those IED road things, you know? And there are guys planting little red sticks all around where there's more um, explosive devices. What do you do? And you hear what I thought was cars backfiring until the general told me, uh, those are bombs, but they're far enough away. It's okay. It's kind of like lightning. You listen for the sound, and I don't know. So what do you do in those situations? What do you do if you're ministering in Africa and you come across a witch doctor in his group and one of your people decides to take a picture and the witch doctor comes running towards you with a spear? What do you do? Well, all these things happened on mission trips that I was on. And what do you do? Linda, what do you do? You pray. And you have some guys with AK-47s go with you. We actually did that. When we, I mean, you know, <laughs> hey, look, listen. Listen, God, God wants you to use your head too, okay? 
you pray, but if you've got a truck in front of you and a truck behind you with guys with AK-47s, those guys will not throw their little firebombs at you, their Molotov cocktails. And I had a team to get to the airport. I've taken mission teams out for 39 years. Everyone has come back alive because of the grace of God and the guys with the AKs, whatever works. <laughs> so that's my, that's my focus today. You do pray. Prayer and missions, they go hand in hand. They're huge. Our New Testament scripture is found in 1 Timothy 2. And it says, I urge you then first of all, with prayers, intercession, thanksgiving that be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that they may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, and that's the man, Jesus Christ. So we're to pray. And that's what we're going to do as we start this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, thanks. Thanks for loving us. And we do want to just proclaim our love to you. We're here today to glorify and worship you. And we pray that you'll open our minds and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. Remind us again of the powerful message of the gospel as we go out from Kirkwood and around the world to take missions, to take the, the gospel word of Jesus Christ into the world. May we learn what it means to praise you, renew our calling to take that gospel to every tribe, tongue, and nation here in St. Louis and Kirkwood, around the world. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, in that New Testament reading, Paul uh, reminds us that we're to, we're to, we're to pray. Um, it's key. Oswald Smith, Canadian pastor, said, if God wills the evangelism, evangelization of the world and you refuse to pray for and support missions, then you are opposed to the will of God. You know, it's, it's pretty good because God wants to see every man, woman, and child come to him. And if we refuse to do that, to take missions to Kirkwood and to St. Louis and to the ends of the world, we are opposed to God's will. How many of you here are opposed to God's will? Let me see your hand. No, I... <laughs> And we do it differently. I'm going to talk about how we do it differently. God calls us to do different things. We're not all called to stand up here and preach and to teach and to play a guitar and sing or whatever. I had a friend of mine. He said, Randy, I would love to do missions, but uh, I've never been to cemetery, or seminary. And so he said, I, I don't sing. I don't play a, a, an instrument. What can I do? I said, what do you do? He said, well, I'm a plumber. I said, oh, man. That is amazing. We've got a, a home in Honduras that has some of the worst plumbing in the world. If you can go with me on that mission trip and fix the plumbing and then do ministry with us, that would be so awesome. It changed this guy's life. He went and did the plumbing, got that done in a day, hung out with the guys for a week, learned what it meant to, to see young people coming off the streets, hearing the gospel. He went back to Appalachia and started building houses with people and led people to Christ. He started leading people to Jesus because he was a plumber. Man, you know, God wants to use us wherever we are. And, and he, he, he's a, the thing about prayer is he is approachable. He's not like, you, you try to talk to President Trump, you know, unless you have a Twitter account, you probably can't even get through to him. And uh, <laughs> Lord have mercy. That's the one thing I wish they would just take that Twitter account away. But uh, <laughs> there's a few other things, but that's beside the point. You can't even talk to the president of Walmart. Really, it's, it's very difficult. But guess who you can talk to? The creator of the universe every day of your life. I love Johnny Cash's song. I talk to Jesus every day. No secretary ever tells me he's been called away. I talk to Jesus every day. You can talk to Jesus Christ. Who needs Donald Trump and the president of Walmart? Unless you've got to return something. And I understand. But, you know, being able to talk to Jesus. Kierkegaard said this. The function of prayer is not always to influence God but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. You know, we need to think, where's our heart? 
God, give us a heart. Give us a heart for the nations. Henry Martin said, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him through prayer and the word, the more intensely missionary we become. Man, I wish I'd have said that. That's good stuff. But I'm glad he did say it. So let's again turn to God's word and look at how we're supposed to pray and what we're supposed to do in combining prayer with missions. Ephesians 6, 17 and 18. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So important to put on that armor, to pick up the only offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit, and to pray without ceasing in the spirit. Some people put on the helmet of salvation. They're spiritual streakers. They're running around with just the helmet of salvation on, and they think they're going to make it out there. They're not going to make it. When the swords come toward you and the spears come toward you, you better have that breastplate of righteousness on. You better have your feet. You like that, Linda? Is that good? You, you better have your feet shod in the gospel. You better have the sword in your hand, the word of God. And you better be praying in the spirit at all times. You know, the Bible talks about praying, with, praying without ceasing. You think, seriously? No. You're driving down the highway or driving down the street in Kirkwood and you see somebody. Pray, I don't know anything about that person. God I just lift that person up. I pray for them. There had been times when God told me to stop. There was a lady standing in the rain at a nursing home. And it was pouring rain, and she didn't have an umbrella. And, and God said, you got an umbrella. Take her your umbrella. I said, hey, get thee behind me, Saint. I just kept driving. My car trusted Christ and did a U-turn and went back, and I handed her the umbrella and prayed with her and said, hey, I just want to. It was, it was very meaningful. Pray without ceasing. You see a homeless person on the side of the road, pray for them. If God moves you to do something tangibly, do it. We're to pray. That's, our, that's a powerful weapon that we have. Luke 10, the harvest is plentiful. You know this one, but the laborers are few. So what do we do? We pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. We pray that God would send someone else to go. Is that how you pray? <laughs> I have a song, please don't send me to Africa. I, you know, I, I've been to Africa 40 times now. I thought I, I didn't, never wanted to go there. I love it. It's a great place. So we're to pray earnestly, seriously, continuously. And finally, in Acts, you guys know this familiar one, you will receive power. You know, the guys waited there for 10 days, and Jesus said he'd send power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. They begin to pray in different tongues. Ooh, did he say tongues in a Presbyterian church? <laughs> yes, but they spoke the language, the heart language of the people. Let me tell you something. When I go to Kenya, I know Kiswahili. I can speak Swahili. But... They speak, the tribes we go to speak Kalinjin. So when you learn Kalinjin, you're speaking their heart language. It makes a difference. I went into a girls' school, 600 girls, and we're, I'm playing my guitar and I'm singing, Mungu Yumwema, Mungu Yumwema, God is so good in Swahili. They say, oh, you know, Swahili's fine. But then I started saying, Karam Tororot, Karam Tororot. And they stood up and they were crying. Someone, especially a white guy, came into their place and learned their tongue and spoke their heart language, their tribal language. That's what happened at Pentecost. When the power came upon them, they began to speak the tribal language of these people, and it changed their hearts. Thousands came to Jesus. Folks, we need to learn to speak the language of the people we minister to. We can do that as we pray and seek God, to be his witnesses in Jer Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the world. We love Jerusalem. We love our house in Jerusalem. But God calls us to go out to Samaria, Judea, the ends of the world. Jesus didn't say that. And he said to go out with dunamis, dynamite power. That's where the word dynamite comes from. The word is dunamis, power. I love that word. So prayer ignites mission. It really does. It lights it up and gets it going. Like a firecracker. The word mission is meter. 
It comes from the word missile, miser or mater. It comes from the word missile. Your prayers are to go out in missions like a missile. And if they don't go off, they're a dud. They better have something behind them, the prayer and the power of the Spirit. Well, I'm just rambling. Okay, so 10 days, Jesus came. And uh, my wife, she usually sits here. She just goes, she's never, Linda, I give you, Linda, I give you permission if I get off. Just move it along, Randy. We got, we got three services. Yeah, they, they, they called, they asked me to come speak here when you only had two. <laughs> Tom, come on, man, seriously. I just got out of three services. Now I'm back to... Ian Bound says this prayer is the right, is the handmaid of missions. The success of all real missionary effort is dependent on prayer. The life and spirit of missions are the life and spirit of prayer. So how do we pray? How do you pray for missions? You know, I, I always thought my father was a pastor. And then, you know, these guys get up there and they have these big voices. Oh, holy, you know, they do their big thing. I, said, I just, that's not my deal. Uh, I remember Don McGahn, but some of you may remember him back and said, oh God, our God, we thank you for your consummate love. I said, what? what? I don't even know what that is. God doesn't want you to do your big, highfalutin, vaulty prayers. He wants you, he wants your heart. He wants you to have a heart for him, a heart for the nations. Uh, you may have heard this story, it's very familiar, but I love it because the analogy is so great. There's a great Shakespearean actor, and he would do his show on Broadway, and at the end of the show, he would recite the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, it was very dramatic, and people got all excited. Well, one day, a young guy says, hey, I know this is your big deal, but do you mind if I came up at the end and recited the, the Lord's Prayer? And, I mean, the uh, 23rd Psalm. And the actor, seriously? I'm a Shakespearean-trained actor. You're going to come up here and read the 23rd Psalm? Sure, go for it. At the end of the show, the actor called him up, and the young man came up and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the place was quiet, except for a few people who were crying. And the actor went over to the stage man. He says, what the heck just happened? He said, well, sir, you know the words, but he knows the shepherd." And that's how we pray. We don't pray with all the highfalutin words because we're so knowledgeable about things. We don't know anything. God knows it all. But when you know the shepherd, he gives you the words. He gives you the heart for the nations to share. So we pray as though we know who we're talking to because we do. For those of you who trust Christ, you know who you're talking to. You know, it's not the big stuff. It's the little stuff. Did you see the movie Dunkirk? It wasn't the huge ships that saved those soldiers. It was the little boats that kept coming back and forth. We may feel like a little boat on a big ocean sometime, but you can make a difference if you're just obedient. Just be obedient to what God calls you to do. As he calls you to pray for the work of missions here in Kirkwood and around the world, be obedient. Have a heart for God's people, for the nations. Again, Bound says this in his book, The Purpose of Prayer and Missions. Prayer is the battlefield of the church, it's citadel. The scene of heroic, heroic and unearthly conflicts. The prayer closet is the base of supplies for the Christian in the church. All spiritual results and graces are much advanced by prayer. We, uh, I, I, just, I just don't think we pump it up enough. It's hard to do sometimes. It's hard to pray. I know we have a big prayer meeting at Central. By the way, I love Central Church. I've been there 39 years. We just celebrated Reformation. We stepped back into the 16th century, which wasn't a big step for Central. But it was... Uh, <laughs> 
sorry, but I love the church. And um, no, it's, a, you know, it's God uses so many different things. That's why I'm so thankful for Green Tree. I'm so thankful for our church plant in the West End that's thriving. God is reaching so many different people in so many different ways because all these things, as, as we pray, God advances his kingdom in so many different ways as we pray. It, it started with prayer in Antioch, the first missionaries to go out when, uh, when Saul and Barnabas went out. And it was Paul's first missionary vision, uh, trip. This is while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. And after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them out. It's all about praying and sending them out. Missionary works begin with prayer. I want to share just a couple stories in closing now because it's really these stories that kind of bring it all together. All those great scriptures encourage me. They pump me up. They give me the fuel. They're the foundation. But it's seeing God work, the spirit and the truth. It's so amazing. I was in China a few years ago, and some of you know my buddy Doug Graham. Doug was with me. Two big guys. We walked in. To, you know, came, we came out off the subway, and they thought like, like football players were attacking or something. But... Um, a little girl named Ruth, we'll call her Ruth because I can't pronounce her real name, and we called her Ruth. And she said, could you guys come to my village? I know this is not on your schedule, but my grandparents and my parents, that's Ruth and her grandpa, uh, they don't really know what's going on with me. And now that I've accepted Christ, they think I'm in some weird cult. If you could just come and talk. We said, absolutely. We took a van about an hour outside of town. A little rice village, 300 families. Never had a foreigner, much less an American, never had a foreigner in the village. I'm carrying my guitar in. Doug and I are walking in. It's like the Pied Pipers. They follow us in. We go into granddad's house. It's dark in many ways, spiritually, but just a dark room. And uh, we explain to him what, what Christianity is about. It's about a relationship. It's not a cult. It's not, and that there are a billion and a half, two billion people that are Christians. He couldn't fathom that. He never heard of Jesus. What are you talking? I said, yeah. And it's about relationship, about changing lives. Have you seen a change in Ruth's life, your, your granddaughter? He said, well, quite honestly, yeah, I have. It's been a good change. And we shared the gospel, and I shared the song Amazing Grace. We prayed with them. Again, the power of prayer in that house, and we left. He called up our missionary the next day, and he said, I don't know. There was something strange about the guy. Well, I hear that a lot. But, <laughs> but when the big man sang, there was a peace in my house that I've never experienced before. And obviously the Holy Spirit was working. And he said, I think Ruth and her friends, and these are some of her friends, need to come back and talk about this Jesus in our village. Within three months, a third of that village came to Christ. All we did was obediently walk through a door and allowed Ruth and her friends to come back and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We prayed. We just went. Prayer and obedience. And God did a great work. I went back a year or so later. We had a feast in that village. We had a big celebration. They had the firecrackers, all this stuff. God, is, that's the business he's in, man. One more story. I, uh, my friend Igor, some of you know Igor. He's from Ukraine. He's a character. He's the president of the uh, seminary in Kiev. He loves to go with me all over the world as long as I'm paying. But he loves to go with me all over the world. And uh, so we, he, Iraq is kind of exciting. I've been going to Iraq. These are some of the soldiers we minister to for about uh, eight years. And uh, he said, I really want to go to Iraq. I said, well, they don't, they're not, Russians and Ukrainians are not, you know, beloved in Iraq, but I think you should come. If God's calling you to go and you've prayed about it, let's go. So we're going to meet in London and go into Iraq. He misses his plane, and so he has to take another plane later. So he's going to go in for the first time by himself into Iraq. He gets up to the uh, customs and immigration thing, passport and visa. They said, uh, this is not the passport that's on your visa. We, some of us have different passports because we travel back and forth places. 
He brought the wrong passport. I said, Igor, really? Bring, bring them both the next time. Anyway, wrong passport. But then they said, well, are you here by invitation of the Ministry of Religion? Absolutely not, he said. That's a good answer for a Russian Ukrainian. You don't, you're not doing anything religious. He was there by invitation of the Ministry of Religion of Iraq. So he denied his, what his visa was, and he didn't have the right passport. Well, they said, you're not coming in. So I get a call. We're meeting with the parliament at the time in Iraq. And I get a call, and he says, Randy, they're not letting me in. I said, oh, man, let me send somebody. We send somebody from parliament. They go. They can't get him in. 20 hours, he's locked up in a room with another guy. And uh, I don't know who the other guy was, but 20 hours, and they made him make arrangements to fly back home. And I said, Igor, I am sorry. I said, I don't understand it. God's always got a, he's got his deal, man. He, he knows what he's doing, and we don't understand it. But I apologize because I know you really wanted to come in here, and we'll be praying for you, and we'll pray about the whole situation and tell, tell Lena hi when you get home, whatever. I come down the next day into the lobby of the hotel, and this, there sits Igor. I said, what? He goes, I don't know. They just said, leave. Now, if you know Igor, I understand that. He's pretty annoying. But <laughs> they just let him go. With the wrong visa, the wrong passport, they let him come into the country. I said, okay, now I know God's got something going on here. This is crazy. We ministered for three or four days in Iraq. It was all good. He preached. He was good. But it wasn't like I was looking for kind of something like, there's got to be something more. But that's fine. A lot of people were getting saved, and that's great stuff. We went over to Jordan for our last three days to, this, to the refugee camps. There are a lot of Syrian refugees in Jordan. And while we were meeting with these kids in the Syrian refugee camp, one of the men from, from the group came over and didn't, didn't know uh, Igor or I at all. Had never met us. Didn't know who we were, where we were from. But he knew Jamal, our missionary that was with us. And Jamal sp spoke Arabic, so we went to him. He said, I got a lady in the neighborhood. She's a Muslim lady who's heard about Christ and would really like to know more information. And I think she's kind of on the threshold of receiving Christ, if you could come share with her. And Jamal says, yeah, I'll, I'll bring the guys and we'll have lunch and share. So we went to this guy's house to make a long story, not too much longer. Uh, we, 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 had, uh, we sat down together. Jamal ministered to this lady about 20, 30 minutes, shared the gospel. She accepted Christ. Unbelievable. And Igor and I are just kind of watching because we don't speak Arabic. Not much. I can say a few little things. And then the host of the house says, you know what? I wish my wife could hear the gospel like that. She's in the kitchen making lunch. We were kind of puzzled. We said, well, you're a Christian, and why, why doesn't she? She doesn't speak English, and she doesn't speak much Arabic. I said, why is that? She said, She's Ukrainian. The only Ukrainian in Jordan. And I said, I'd like you to meet my friend, Dr. Igor Yaremchuk. And Igor got up and went in the kitchen. 30 minutes later, that little girl right there accepted Christ. This this is the kind of stuff that happens through the power of prayer and us being obedient and going. From a guy who almost didn't get in the country to the only guy who could have shared the gospel with that girl, he was there at God's appointed time. Friends, prayer makes a difference in the missions that you're called to do. Those of you who are missionaries, Sherry and others, you know, without the prayers of the people. Financial support is awesome. Going and seeing them, visiting them, feeling what they feel, eating their food, that's awesome. But praying, they know every day. We send prayer cards out, and our missionaries put them on their refrigerators. They just like to know there's people sitting in that circle praying for me today. There's power prayer. There's horrific things happening all over the world, folks. Some of you travel, and some of you know. You've seen it. You've been there. Uh, there's horrific things happening in America. And we need to get on our knees in prayer. If my people will humble themselves and pray. 
And so um, I just encourage you to pray with a, with a heart for the lost. Pray with obedience to what God has called you to do. Pray with a simple faith. Doesn't have to be the big dramatic Shakespearean guy. Pray in a spirit of unity. That's a tough thing. For Central, that's been a tough thing through the years. A spirit of unity. Pray in Jesus' name. Pray with a heart for God. Get, get his vision. Get his eyes and his, his heart for the nations. And I pray here at Green Tree, you'll be renewed in your calling to mission. Through the power of prayer, through the continuing to go and take the gospel for those who can't go to pray. That's my prayer today, that we'll follow God's leading and that uh, he will lead us and give us the grace and the understanding to minister the gospel to people in Kirkwood and, and St. Louis and through the ends of the earth. And before I close this morning, let me say this. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the person you're talking to, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I pray you'll come to know him. And when you know him and you know the truth, you will be so freed up that your mission is going to be a joy in your life. It's not going to be a burden. It'll be a joy. Pray with me. Father God, thanks. Thanks for sending your spirit with us today. And we do pray that through your power we'll accomplish the work that you've called us to do. To go into all the world, to take the gospel. May we not be content to just enjoy our church experiences, but to step out in faith, to reach out into Kirkwood, into Missouri, to the ends of the world. And I do pray for those who don't know you this morning, they'll come to trust in you. We thank you for all you've done and all you'll continue to do in this church. Remind us that it's truly about you and not us. For yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever and ever. And I pray this in the name of the greatest missionary of all, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing together. Stand and sing that God would give us his heart for the nations that we might go forth. Yeah.